you know, this episode right here was inspired by one of my favorite movies of all time. The movie Ray. Now, Jamie Foxx did a great job in this movie playing Ray Charles. I know for that role, I think he won he won an Oscar for Best Actor. He won a Best Actor uh, at the Golden Globe Awards. And he won Best Actor at the 58th British Academy Film Awards. And a lot more awards, too. There's a lot of musicians that's famous that came out of Ray Charles' camp, like Quincy Jones. Now, I saw Quincy Jones. He admitted in an interview that Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder really weren't blind. <laughs> he said Ray would cross the streets, go to the supermarket, shop, count his own change with no help. That's crazy, man. But, um, you know, there was uh, only four women in Ray Charles' life that he truly cared about. The first one is his mother, Aretha Robinson. The second one is his wife, Della Robinson, played by actress Carrie Washington in the movie. The third one is Mary Ann Fisher, played by actress Ajanu Ellis in the movie, who was uh, one of the first female singers with Ray. And the fourth one was none other than Margie Hendricks, played by actress Regina King. Now, Regina King said in an interview that there wasn't much information for her to go on when preparing for the role, so she had to rely on Margie's voice to guide her. Now, Margie's voice was like a powerful church-like sound that gave you chills when you heard it. They also say her voice is the reason that Ray Charles started mixing the blues and the gospel sound together in his music, which did upset the church community during that time. About Margie's voice, Ray Charles said this, Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight, Etta James, them girls can sing, they all bad, but on any given night, they can't touch Margie, though. Even though Ray performed with a lot of female star singers throughout his career, like Minnie Ripperton and others, but none matched the voice of Margie Hendricks. Now, let's get into this episode, right? Margie Hendricks was born March 13, 1935, in Statesboro, Georgia. Now, growing up at a very young age, she discovered she had a beautiful singing voice. And she also learned how to play the piano, which led to her directing her local church choir by the time she was a teenager. By the age of 18, she started writing her own songs and moved to New York with her older sister, Lula, to take singing lessons and pursue her dreams of being a singer. Once in New York, she ended up signing the Lamp Records, recording with Jesse Stone, who at the time was working with a girl group called The Cookies. In 1954, as a solo artist, Margie released the singles Good Treatment and Every Time, which really didn't make any noise on the charts, but was good enough to keep her on the label. By that time, The Cookies had moved over to Atlantic Records and was making a name for themselves, but one of the members had a falling out with producer Jesse Stone. Now, after the falling out with Jesse Stone, he ended up replacing her with Margie Hendricks. And once Margie got there, they started to sing background for a lot of singers who were signed to Atlantic Records at the time, like Laverne Baker, Chuck Willis, Ruth Brown, and they toured with the group called the Cadillacs. Now, during that time, everybody wanted to work with the Cookies 
and wanted them to sing with them because of Margie's unique singing style and powerful voice. I mean, they was doing so much, they were so much in demand that they couldn't even release their own songs because they was working with everybody else. Later on, the group had a, another falling out with producer Jesse Stone, who this time, he decided to stop working with them and focus on other things. Now, also during that time, right, Ray Charles had just got to Atlantic Records and had some hits already like The Mess Around, Drowning My Own Tears, Hallelujah, I Love Her So, and I've Got a Woman, who y'all probably heard a sampled in Kanye's West hit song, Gold Digger, featuring Jamie Foxx. Now, during that time, Ray was already working with another female vocalist named Mary Ann Fisher, who he was doing a lot of duets with and having an affair with. Now, see, there were three things that Ray Charles was addicted to. Music, drugs, and women. The joke on the road for women was, if you want to be in Ray Charles' band, you got to sleep with him first. Now, see, Ray heard Margie and the Cookies singing one night, and he loved the way they sound, and asked them to do some music with him. After the Cookies agreed, Ray Charles changed their name to the Raylettes and took them on a the road with him. Now, once Ray had the Raylettes with him and mixed that gospel, pop, country, and that jazz with blues sound all together, everybody wanted to see him perform, and he was in high demand and making a lot of money during that time. Ray made Margie the lead singer of the Raylettes because she was feisty, and tomboyish, and, and she wouldn't take no crap. They gave her the nickname Henry because she was bisexual too, and Ray liked that about her. Plus, he would work with her more because according to him in his book titled Brother Ray, which is an excellent book y'all should definitely read, Ray Charles said Margie would have a hard time learning her harmony parts, which would require him and her to work long hours together. The more time they spent together, the closer they became, and then they became lovers even though he was married at the time and sleeping with other women on the road. Marianne Fisher, his first singer he was having an affair with, ended up being pushed away now that Margie was in the picture. I mean, she stayed around for a while, but she got tired of the sex and drug life and mistreatment from Ray, so she left and went back home. Now, also during that time, right, Ray was hooked on heroin real bad, man, and Margie became hooked on the two. And they started getting high together, but Ray claimed he wasn't the one that turned her on to it. In 1958, Ray Charles released his live album titled Ray Charles at Newport, which was a bunch of songs he performed live at the Newport Jazz Festival in Rhode Island. One of the songs that became popular off that album was called Nighttime is the Right Time, which reached number five on the Billboard R&B charts and number 95 on the pop charts. Now... In that song, Margie would show off her powerful voice. You know, every time I hear that song, I think about the Cosby Show episode when they were singing for, for uh, the grandparents' anniversary. And Rudy was singing Margie's part <laughs> when she was screaming that part, baby. That's, that's Margie right there singing that part. That's one of my favorite episodes right there, man. But uh, anyway, around that time, she ended up getting pregnant with Ray's child. After talking it over with Ray, she decided not to get an abortion 
and Ray agreed to support the child because he was married at the time and the hits kept rolling for Ray. Margie and the Ray Letts, like the songs um, Hit the Road Jack, which reached number one on the R&B charts for five weeks and number one on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks. Plus, it won a Grammy Award for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording. Another song was called uh, What I Say, which reached number one on the Billboard's R&B Singles Chart and number six on the Billboard's Hot 100, giving Ray his first gold record and became Atlantic Records' best-selling song at the time. Around that time, man, Ray was on top of the world, but he ended up sending Margie back to New York with her sister to have the baby. And on October 1st, 1959, Margie gave birth to their son and named him Charles Wayne. And Ray made a promise to Margie's sister Lula that he would take care of his son and pay the bills. But Ray had to get back on the road though. So he replaced Margie for the time being with another singer named Mae Mosley in which he ended up having an affair with her too. Now at home raising their son, Ray would stop over and have dinner if he was in town. But you know Margie, she caught wind on a relationship with Ray and her replacement, Mae Mosley, and knew how Ray moved and knew soon that Ray would eventually move on from her. But Margie stayed. She continued to do shows with Ray because she needed money. Plus, other record labels wanted to sign her too as a solo artist. Now, by that time, Ray had started his own record label called Tangerine Records and he was ready to put the Ray Letts album out. In 1964, the Ray Letts released a single called A Lover's Blues with Margie on the lead and Ray Charles on the piano. Now, while on the road, Ray continued to have relationships with other women, which made Margie jealous and angry. And she started to drink a lot, which caused her to start a lot of problems like picking fights and arguing with Ray. Now, one thing Ray couldn't stand was anybody in his band messing with his girls even though he was having sex with different girls all the time his rule was nobody could date his girls once he had them but see margie started having an affair with one of ray's trumpet players and ray wasn't having it and that was the last straw so ray fired margie from the group ending their six-year-long affair after that she ended up getting a record deal with Mercury Records, working with producer Gene Bolegs Miller, who did some work with Otis Redding and Etta James at the time. Now, as a solo artist on Mercury Records, in 1965, she released her first two singles titled Now the Hurts on You and Baby. Two years later, in 1967, she released the singles Restless, Nothing But a Tramp, and One Room Paradise. Now, at the time, her solo career just wasn't taking off the way she wanted it to, gaining little to no attention, which led to her doing more drugs and alcohol. And on September 7th, 1967, while driving in Texas, Margie was injured with her husband, Robert Folsom, when her car was hit by a truck carrying lumber. I mean, she sustained uh, neck injuries and a slight loss of hearing in her right ear, which put her out of work, which means she really wasn't making no money. But after that, life began to spiral down even more for Margie. And by that time, the alcohol and the drugs just took over her life and she just couldn't kick the addiction. And on July 14th, 1973, 
Margie Hendricks died from a heroin overdose. In 2004, the movie Ray was released and went on to become a box office hit, grossing over $100 million in sales. Ray Charles died of liver disease months prior to the premiere of the movie. They say uh, Ray fathered a total of 12 children with 10 different women, and at a family luncheon in 2002, he gave 10 of his 12 children each a check for $1 million. The other two kids couldn't make it, but also there was a clause saying that the child has to be working and not on drugs in order to get the money. Now, Margie and Ray's son, Charles Wayne, was incarcerated at the time when the movie was being made and released. She was 38 years old. R.I.P. Margie Hendricks.